We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, these coaches are watching the market and how everything is going. And Notre Dame just has to, man, just get in the fight, dude. That's all. Just get just get in it. Somehow, some way. Just get in the fight. Because right now, man, we're looking like the Oakland A's out here in these NIL streets. Yeah. And that's not good. Numbers. They're actually, man, the Oakland A's are actually on a seven-game winning streak, though. Even though they still suck. We're talking NIL, right? Check this out. Uh, Mansion and Tup Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville, former head coach in Auburn. You know, they're putting together legislation for NIL. You're going to love this left. This is from Dev, uh, Darren Heitner on Twitter, who uh, is a writer and uh, teaches on NIL at UF Law and at Miami Law School. Word is that a new NIL bill written by Manchin and Tommy Tuberville will prohibit athletes from signing deals until they have completed a minimum of one semester in college. Left, left. See, I'm all for legislation if it makes sense. Left, make this make sense to me, bro. Please make this. You, you make this make sense to me. This is what, dude. Until you complete three years of college, then you can go to the league. Like it's the same type of unnecessary legislation. Because what is it? Who is it benefit? So basically, what they're trying to hide. This is what they're trying to hide, left. Without saying it, they're saying you have to play a full season for us. Yeah, free. Because the the first semester ends at the end of the football season. Free of charge. We need a a free season. Yeah, they're trying to to make it real slick, left. Like you have to complete a full semester. You're asking them to play one year. For free. Without NIL money. That's what you're asking them. So you're taking it out of recruiting. You want them to play one full year, which some of them might red shirt. So coming out of the red shirt year, what are they going to have to present 
to any company for NIL. So basically, you're trying to get off free. It'll mess up a lot, though. It'll mess up a lot. You can't just throw 100000 out of them. Dude. You can't. This is the dastardly. It's dastardly because now you can't just give Justin uh, Scott 100000 to come to Georgia. You can't. You got to be like, Justin Scott, I'll give you 100000 in your second year. He'd be, like, he be like, damn, well, I think it is hot as hell all year round. And the, the season is kind of long to be waiting for 100000 Anything can happen, too. You could just get somebody else or whatever. But Notre Dame, that 440 sound a lot better. Sound a lot better. So maybe it does curb a lot of the Duffel shuffle. Uh-huh. Because now you got to make promises like Texas AM got to really make promises two years out now, and that's kind of hard. Uh-huh. Kind of hard to do for kids that like want the bread right now, you know. So you know, the NCAA always finds ways. When you think you got it, you don't got it. No. Got it. Until we join a new NCAA, you know what I mean? Figure out something else, but until then, this is that's a that's a stab in the heart of the wild wild west right there. I, I, there's no way this gets passed, bro. Quick stab. No way. No way. No way. There's no way this gets passed. Like you try to speak about this from the side of a semester, dude. One semester is one free year of football for a kid. It could mean a lot in recruiting, though, you know. Because is Nico going to Tennessee if he don't get the eight million the first year? Probably the argument is going to be: How can you stop a young man from making the bread? From making a deal with the school with some wait? Because the the rule is nil is not directly connected to the school. So how do you put in legislation to stop a young man from brokering a, a deal as, a, as an individual? As an individual, how do you legislate that in college? They probably say you can't have both. You can't have a deal and then sign with a school or some crazy. You know they're gonna find a way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's crazy. And I'm not happy with the current you know, landscape of NIL. We debate about this. You know, I feel like, man, at least sign on the dotted line and show some type of commitment, right? Allow kids to sign early, earlier than December in the summer when they commit anything I'm all for commitment being connected to NIL rather than kids using it going about these official visits saying this school is giving me this this school is giving me that look man if that's what you're doing and that's how you want to handle it fine to each his own but it's going to start getting ridiculous and the coaches are telling you that the price of yesterday's price is not today's price when it comes to NIL and the prominent positions. It's not. It's going to continue to get worse. It's going to continue to get worse, man. You're going to see more and more decommitments that have absolutely nothing to do with fit, scheme, coaches. It's promises. That's what it is. Has absolutely nothing to do with that, right? Like you said, how much money did Bryce have in pocket before he ever took a snap at Alabama? Yeah, a meal, a cool meal. It's a good investment, paid off. Got a Heisman, first round pick, first pick of the draft. Shit. And, and Bryce handled himself quite well with the million. I mean, you know. You in a nice position as well. You in a, you watching. You got a Heisman receiver. You got. But I'm saying some people. I'm some like, people. Ooh. We're gonna talk about on the petty train. We're gonna talk about somebody that got the fame and started acting like a fool. Because everybody just doesn't handle the fame correctly. Yes, you're right. He got the fame. He got the money, and he wasn't even playing, and he handled himself quite well. You know, that has to be applauded. You know, yeah, Nico, that's a good Nico, dude. Like, like, Nico is going to be on the sideline behind Joe Milton with eight mil in the pocket. Damn. I pray he doesn't act the fool. He probably can do a Zion. <laughs> He's stupid. 
He the richest man on campus. Man. On campus as man. a freshman, young, you know. Richest man as a freshman on the campus of Tennessee. Man, that dude walking in, walking in with Kanye blasting. Can't tell me nothing. I'm sitting in the teacher's chair. But pay your salary right now. Thank you, Doma Watt, for doing some more digging. He said, here's another provision of the bill, the creation of a registry for transparency in NIL deals. What? So now every NIL deal has to come across with all the details before it gets, man, get the heck out of here. That's right. Can we have transparency on athletic department's expenses? You're darn right. No, they even get exposed on that, too. I'm exposed. You're darn right. If, if somebody that. audited Notre Dame's books for that, man, what? It'd be bad, bad business. And see, Cajun Irish, you know, that's, you know, perception, right? Because we have to wait and let it play out. Is it stupid on Tennessee's part? Because once he got connected to the program, their recruiting took off. Yeah. See, that's recruiting. You get a big-time quarterback, your recruiting takes off. So Josh Heupel, he hey, he gave him the bag up front. And now they're reaping the harvest. And they backed it up with a good season. We'll man. see, man. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I wanted to get this question, this comment from Jacob uh, Foreman. Uh, he said, thank you for joining. He said, Phil claimed playing shit. Now this is Something he put on his IG post, I believe. Shipping up to Boston was cultural appropriation. I believe that's a song that's played in Notre Dame or whatever, which makes no sense. Cultural appropriation is when you steal culture in a demeaning way. Well, cultural appropriation is not only when you steal culture. Hey. And there are people that do podcasts that I think are cultural appropriates. I think Hell, DJ, right. I think Vlad is a culture vulture. Hell, black people are culture vultures on his these Greek numbers or letters they be following them. All them you ain't no major. All, all, all that, all that. Thank you, bro. That's thank cult, That's cultural appropriation. Like just people, people are so stuck on what happened with the mascots around sports, they feel like that's the only thing about cultural appropriation. I've never heard this song ship up to Boston, right? Who even? But Phil Jakovic is from Boston, Massachusetts, and the area. If that is a regional song written for from that region, about that region, just because you're Irish in the Midwest, it does not make it a song that you can rock to and represent. Just like I can't take a West Coast song, bring it to Chicago, and then try to rep Chicago with that West Coast song from West Coast rap. That would be misappropriation of the culture. I can't take red headbands and the seawalk and blue headbands and bring it to Chicago and start doing it around Chicago without cultural oppress cultural appropriation. It doesn't belong to me. 
It doesn't belong to me. That's right. Cultural appropriation can also come from the things that we say and how we perceive other people. There's a lot of different areas of cultural appropriation, man. I had somebody send me something on Twitter like, you don't understand cultural appropriation. No, I fully understand it. You only see it through one lens. And that's why you're trying to protect what took place because you only see it through one lens. I don't, like I said, I've never heard the song Shipping Up to Boston. I guess it's played at Notre Dame. Notre Dame will grab anything that's Irish. Does it say the N-word or something? I don't know. But my point is Notre Dame will grab anything that's Irish. If Wisconsin didn't do it, if, if it wasn't a staple for Wisconsin, they would play jump around. Because it was a Boston hip-hop band that did jump around. But Wisconsin has been doing it. Yeah, Wisconsin has been doing it for like the past 20 years and it's a staple, so they can't. But if they could, they would. Because Notre Dame grabs everything Irish, connects everything Irish, and they just do it. Why? Because we're Notre Dame. They do. I mean, the leprechaun is appropriated because... You know, there's a history behind it. No, wait, wait. See? No, I don't even want to get into that left because everybody's cool with that. Everybody's cool with the leprechaun. Everybody's cool with the leprechaun. No touch. No name's perfect, left. No name's perfect. No name's perfect. Hockey was appropriated. I mean, we, 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 we clearly copy each other. <laughs> Everybody's copying somebody and and using their perspective of it in their own way. Some more negative than the others, for sure. Mm -hmm. Some more misunderstood than others. So, Oh, thank you, Deion Carter. Said Notre Dame only plays the intro to shipping up to Boston, and I still don't know what the intro is. I don't know. But from him being a Boston kid, and coming from that culture, if he's speaking about it, he knows more about the culture and the background of it than Notre Dame fans. Like when people talk to if you, if I go to if I go to uh, if I go to Atlanta, and people are trying to explain to me the lyrics of Crucial Conflict. I don't know that one. <laughs> uh, Crucial Conflict was a, they made the song Hey in the middle of the bar. Oh, okay. Right? They also okay. made another song, popular song called Rodeo back in the day. Right? They did a lot of songs with Kells. Um, hey was huge. Hey, hey was, it's still a huge song if you play it. Cats will hear it in the club and be like, oh, yo, that's the joint. But that is Chicago's version of the chronic. All right. Mm -hmm. It's the same, it's a similar conversation, but it's Chicago owning its piece of that conversation. 
you know. So appropriation, man. I, I please don't go any further on that leprechaun, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which is because there were a lot of people within. I know this for a fact. There were a lot of people worried on that campus when the Indians were getting hit hard. They're not a guardians. When Washington, the commanders were getting hit hard and eventually had to change, and these groups were coming after. This, you want to talk about power? You want to talk about power? Because it takes power. Them groups wanted no, they wanted no parts of Notre Dame. <laughs> None. The same groups that went after professional teams and their owners wanted no parts of Notre Dame. None. No. They know better. None. They were like, no, we don't want that fight. Daniel Snyder, oh yeah, we can smack him around. Yeah. You know, owners of, of Cleveland, we can smack them around. What we about Notre Dame? We can't take on them good stewards. They no, we're not me- no, we're not messing around with them. Them good stewards, man. We ain't no, no, man. <laughs> they cool. They cool. They cool. They you know, cool. and people will be up in arms if they took away the leprechaun. Man, they would go ballistic, bro. Yeah, you can't do that. Oh, thank you. I was upset, bro. I grew up, and this is me not knowing. Like my favorite college basketball team growing up was the Fighting Illini. 89 squad was my favorite squad, dude. The Flying Illini. Kendall Gill, Kenny Battle, Lowell Hamilton, Stephen Bardo. That's my squad. That was my squad. There's nothing you can tell me about that squad. They didn't <laughs> win a chip, but they were the greatest team I ever saw. Yeah my squad at halftime they would show they had a mascot called chief alinawick he would come out in full guard and the person that was doing it was always caucasian cultural appropriation because that person has no connection to that tribe to the customs or what they're dancing to or why they're dancing to it it was total cultural appropriation could have been three percent but look, when I was a student left, man, I remember I bought a champion hoodie with the big chief of Linoweck on the front. It was fresh. And I had somebody ask me if I was going to draw a black marker X through the chief. And I said, what? I just spent $100 in the bookstore for this. I'm not Xing out the chief. Now, we can talk about you know, the cultural appropriation and all of that, but I'm not messing up my, my clothes. I would rather take it back to the store and not wear it than to just mess up. My, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm just waiting for the day. And my whole thing is when you, <laughs> when you get to this whole thing, man, they, they ended his halftime dance, which used to be fun for me to watch because I was like, yo, that's a dope little cult. This man, it's a dope little dance he this does. A dope little cultural appropriation right here. Yeah. <laughs> but like, dude, when I started watching, dude, 89, bro, I was like a teenager. You know, I was like 12. I had no, I had no real understanding of cultural appropriation. But by the time I got there as a student years later, 
I came to understand what was popping about the situation. And I got on board. I just wasn't about to mess up my sweatshirt. Like, I can understand without messing up my sweatshirt. I don't have to do that. I get the point. I'm on you board. Burning the jerseys. No. Like, what else do we need to do to make a move on this and make things happen? So, look. It is, it is, man, it's one of those things, man. And it's so easy to, to do something and really not have, I mean, I don't think people have ill intent the majority of the time that they enter into cultural appropriation. I don't. Some people do, but it's easy to enter into appropriation and you really didn't mean harm. You really were just trying to benefit from it. You trying to be a capitalist business. What's the benefit of a, a cultural appropri appropriatist? Most of them trying to make money. I don't see a benefit in it, though. See, Daniel, Daniel Snyder was all about the money because he knew the power of the nickname and what it meant for generations. That was money. You lose money when you have to rebuild a brand and rebuild a nickname. That's losing money. I know exactly why Daniel Snyder was pushing back. He had five generations of these fans. Naming the team the Redskins? You wouldn't think it. If I name the Redskins, I'm going to make way more than the Cowboys. Yeah, but I guarantee you there were two generations of fans that was just like, I'm not wearing a commander's jersey. I grew up a, I grew up a fan. How did they start wearing the pig costumes at the Reds? Like they was because they had the offensive line that were called the Hogs. Joe Jacoby, Russ Grimm. They they had like three hundred back. At, this is before offensive lines became. They had five dudes that were over three hundred pounds. That was unheard of in the eighties. Yeah, oh yeah, that's unheard of. Unheard of. And they had John Riggins at two sixty in the backfield. <laughs> Think about that. That right now would be crazy. That, no, that's right, like the right. norm right now. That's it's like, like, ooh, that's, like that's, that's like Derrick Henry in back of the Titans, bro. The Titans that had no 300 across the board. 300 across the board? Three. I think most offensive linemen are 300 across the board right now. Joe All is a tight end. He's no, he's nowhere close to 290. Nowhere close. No, Joe All would be 300 this year. Really? Yeah, he was, oh, okay. he, was, he was like 295 last year, wasn't he? Left. Oh, hold on, let me see. Because he looks, he looks like a, a thinner lineman, like the. He's definitely, but he holds his weight differently. Like, like Ronnie wasn't 300. What well, was? Mike McGlinchey wasn't 300. Mike was like. I wonder if Mike is 300 now. Let me see. Probably because he old. You know, he older. Than, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's like 291. Yeah, yeah, guys ain't that's what I'm saying. 300 everybody 300 is, is, is a huge line. Absolutely. Huge. And we're talking about the 80s, bro. This is like 84. You had 300 per dude. That's why they were called the Hogs, bro. Damn, like yeah. this dude, they just lined up and said, We are about to run. And we yeah. got 260 Ooh. in the backfield. Damn, man, 
It is what it is, you know. But it takes, um, you have to be willing to listen to really understand the depths and all of the branches of this cultural appropriation, dude. That's it. You have to be you have to be willing to listen and understand the depths of things that can be said and done that represent cultural appropriation. It is what it is. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Left when we get to the next side. I want to talk about something that we brought up yesterday. I want to see what you have to say about it. How important is it that Notre Dame is moving in a different direction with its quarterbacks? We'll talk about it next. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We broke down the film of Blake Hebert yesterday on the Lucky Lefty Podcast, 25 quarterbacks, 6'4", 210 out of the Massachusetts area. And the one thing that jumped out to us is, you know what, is a big kid. A far departure from quarterbacks that we've seen previously recruited to Notre Dame and committing to Notre Dame. Why is that important going into 2023, 24, and 25 for the University of Notre Dame? Why is that important with Gino Gadugli now as the quarterback coach? No one to tell us or can tell us any better than left himself. Left, why was this the first thing that jumped out at you? I think a lot of it is just because the size, I think, matters. From what you want to accomplish, maybe it's the more vertical passing game. You saw our guy yesterday who was just bombing bombs away. Deep threat outside, inside verticals, scramble, throwing the ball late down the field. So having a bigger size quarterback, I think it gives you a little bit of an intimidation factor. Doesn't necessarily mean you're the best quarterback room, but they have success coaching bigger quarterbacks. And I think that's going to benefit guys like uh, CJ Carr, guys like Kenny Menchie, who's like I told you, I thought he was bigger than what I had thought about Dante. He's bigger than Dante. Uh-huh. So uh Gino Gadulli's a, a pretty sizable guy. So I think that um it definitely is funny when you think about who's your quarterback coach and they recruit guys that are like them, essentially. Tommy recruited smaller, punier guys like Tommy himself. You know, and and you can naturally coach guys that you can see yourself, you know, playing as. And I think that's why you had a connection with certain guys. But Gino Gadouli going out to these bigger guys, I just think it just gives us more of a advantage in the run game, uh, more advantage over the middle of the field and outside. You know, um, it's some it's some good. Good scouting. It doesn't mean you'll have the best quarterback. I mean, Bryce Young won the Heisman. So, Caleb Williams isn't the tallest guy in the world, but, you know, pretty sturdy guy. But the way we're doing it, I mean, we're going to be a more intimidating team across the board for sure. 
I agree with that. And I think you see the change in the type of uh, quarterback, the change in the type of running back that's being recruited. We talked about that. Chancey Stuckey upgrading, in my opinion, the length and ability and speed at the quarterback. I mean, at the wide receiver position, right? Uh, Joe Rudolph coming in and preferring a certain type of offensive line. Maybe a little bit more streamlined where Harry Heastan prefers more powerful dudes on the offensive line. It's all about preference, man. Yeah. It's all about preference. Al Washington, you know, making the move and saying, look, I can keep recruiting these same guys that we've always recruited, but I need to go get some beef in the middle. And he gets a 300-pounder in the 25 class out of Miami. And then he follows that up from the Florida area once again in the 24 class, getting Sean Sibiliano over 300 pounds. And people are like, oh, man, they're not athletic. Yeah, but there's something that Notre Dame has not had on the defensive line since Big Lou. Yeah. Like, who was the last? I mean, Jerry Tillery was a good defensive tackle, but he wasn't that body type. He wasn't a body type. No, he wasn't controlling two guys. There has been identification with this coaching staff of things that they have not had on the roster that might be the key to the defense taking the next step to the championship level and the offense taking the next step to the championship level. The one constant has been the offensive line. Even you, you know, you were watching Carter Nelson's film like, yo, I can't really tell anything by watching his film. I mean, what? He plays eight on eight in high school. Like, you That's know. An it's an interesting grab, though, but it might turn out to be like Peyton Hillis. Shout out to Peyton Hillis, man. You know, him being healthy. Um, Hearing his story on GMA the other morning, bro, and he said he was swimming to save his niece and his son, and in order to save his niece, he had to swim past his son and save Ooh, her first. Bro, tough. think about the left. <laughs> this man said, in order to save them both, I had to swim past my son who was in distress and drowning. Get my niece turn around, come back, and get my son praying, hoping. He can hold on. He can hold on. Ooh! Let me tell you something. That's a good man, boy. <laughs> Don't that's, even that's answer That's a good even, man. That's Don't hey, bro. even answer it. <laughs> hey. Hey. That's an angel, boy. That's an angel. Because, you know, left no, all, all jokes aside, I might have. I, look, me, me and my, me and my sister and my brother would have just had to have a talk, bro. Yeah, we just would have. <laughs> that would have been a phone, a tough phone call. When I get back to shore, like man, as I'm driving my son off with the town, right? Like man, uh, yo, like this man was in a coma oh. for weeks. Like he exerted so much to get them both 
out of that tide, that swing, that rip tide, when he stood up and walked on shore, he collapsed, bro, and was in a coma for weeks. Man, because you had so much panic, man, the split decisions, the adrenaline, you probably was like, just your mind, probably you outer body experience once you swam past your son. It was like your mind couldn't even understand. It's like, what are you doing? And, and left, left, man, all jokes aside, he made the right decision. He made the right decision. Tough decision. It was the right decision. It's the right decision, bro. It's the right decision because if it, it's the right decision, bro. It, it really is, in my opinion. Right decision. Because he would never for do. He would not, he would have never been able to live that down. That would have stayed with him for the rest of his life, bro. He could have oh, easily possible deniability. I couldn't have got there. He would have been lying. Because he knew he was phys- physically capable. Now, was he mentally capable to swim past his son? That's that's that's, that's, that's He was physically capable of doing it, and he knew it. He just had to trust, and then he had to trust that his son was a bit a better swimmer, or a little bit stronger than his niece, his younger niece. Like all he's calculating all of this. Hey man, and some people like hey, hey man, listen, <laughs> you're a good dude. Oh man, you're a real good dude. Tip of the cap to you, man. You deserve that mad cover now. They need oh, to yeah, give you another you one. Deserve it before. <laughs> you deserve it now. Absolutely. Um, he definitely used up a lot of adrenaline to make that swim. A lot of people showing love to Maria's ice cream truck today, bro. That banana split was A1, man. (laughs) See, and Maria knows what she's doing. When you're a truck like that, you can't come around all the time. People get used to it. That's right. I had to ask her, when do you come back? She said, oh, uh, you know. Yeah, see? Maria's smart. (laughs) See, Maria's going to go... Maria's gonna go to the the, the other side of town for like other side of Texas, totally yeah. out the way. I'm not even totally out the way. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. She probably has four quadrants she operates in on a weekly basis. Like you'll see her next month. You'll oh, see her once. Yeah, it's been about a week and a half. I'm like, all right now. She <laughs> just not be coming around. What's going on? You busy? You, you good? Man, shoot, Maria's smart. She's a smart <laughs> businesswoman, boy. She understands. She 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 understands. Go all the way across town, really? Man. Hey, she understands. I give it to her. She is a smart businesswoman. But yeah, moving forward, man, I think I, I really enjoy what the coaching staff is doing and how they're approaching everything. 
And I think one of the best things we can recognize is, you know, like we said, you know, these are some of the cracks that were left by the previous culture staff, specifically in the recruiting area. It was just like, yo, we have a little bit more problems than we thought. The next time they said, you got to get Maria on the show, bro. <laughs> this would be dope. I come out there, we do a live show, and Maria pulls up. Pulls up an ice on the lot. Yeah. And we both come back with banana splits. But you gotta catch her the right side of town, though. <laughs> yeah, we have to find out her route. <laughs> like, yo, what's what's good with the route? Lucky Lefty Podcast. Good show today, love. We talked about um we talked about a lot of things, man. We talked about the uproar with Phil Jacobic, which I think is we're overreacting, bro. I'm not saying that the kid doesn't have room to grow or doesn't need to grow up. But good Lord, that's what 20-year-olds do. They hold on to stuff, man. We talked about people of aqua. I'm loving it. I'm loving the hire. And when Mike Tarico says it's a grand slam hire, and what other execs that worked with him say, yo, he couldn't go five minutes without inserting Notre Dame into the conversation. I'm like, okay. I mean, all right. I'm like, all right. All right. It sounds good. I'm just saying, hey, that's all you can uh, go on is what it sounds like. You know, you know I, I don't think we make bad hires. Let's put it like that. I don't think we bring in too many guys. I think Jack Swarbrick was a great hire for the time. For the time, right. For the time. We make some good decisions. I don't necessarily believe that Jack Swarbrick was the right guy going into the future for Notre Dame. And he was was not the right match with the coach we had. Right. You start writing people's scripts, man. I can't get over that. (laughs) Hey, brother. I know you're going in there for your weekly weekly meeting but uh add these to your notes just say it word for word <laughs> i can only imagine he looking at this like i ain't reading this you got to be crazy i ain't saying all of this now probably <laughs> and jack swore is the greatest ad of all college football oh, i ain't saying all this i'll help you out though you are crazy. Lucky Lucky Podcast, man. We are. I don't think you got the rant that I played. Did you get the rant that I played yesterday, love? I think you left the show right before I played that rant with uh, this host or the fan in New York. And uh, Ralph is is well worth to hear if you like to hear it. Okay, right? Would you rather hear Justin Jones of the Chicago Bears dissing the Packers, or would you rather and Packers fans, or would you rather hear this rant? The rant is is for those of you that missed last night's show. This is one of the most epic Let's rants ever. Let's get to it. 
This is, once again, host Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York. The caller calls in talking about the New York Mets, and this ensues. Ralph in Lakewood, New Jersey. You're up here, Ralph. Hi, Danielle. I'm sorry what's going on is pathetic, okay? Because when the, when the Mets signed Scherzer and signed Verlander, every single radio host was psyched, okay? Me too, All yes. of a sudden, now that they're not performing, we expect the general managers to be profits and to know what's going on. They sat there at the time, they studied it, and they made a decision that this pitcher is, is the best move to sign right now. Mm-hmm. If the pitchers are not performing, it's not on the general managers. They're not profits. Let's say right now, let's say in the NBA, this guy Wembyama is a bust. Are you going to say, oh, the Spurs general manager is a disaster? No, the guy didn't perform. Like, it's so easy to be a talk show host looking back at what's going on and rip them. If J.D. Martinez would be doing horrible now, you wouldn't have said, oh, the Mets should have signed him. It's only because he's doing good that you could sit there and say, oh, no, the Mets should have signed him. What are you bringing to the radio right now? You're looking at stats and yelling what they should have done what they're not profits it's 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 pathetic danielle come yeah. on he made it you were psyched when the mets signed scherzer you were psyched you were going crazy you were excited why building up we're getting destroyed right now how's he supposed to know the guy's gonna be a bust profits all of a sudden general managers are supposed to know the future let me give the guy some slack. Trust me, I'm a Yankee fan. I love oh, that the Mets are crashing and burning. But I can't hear it. I can't hear it, Danielle. You, you, you ready, Ralph, for the response? I'm ready. I'm ready. Then my question to you is, how at the time could I have projected J.D. Martinez to be a valuable piece of a lineup and the Mets, with all of their information, did not? And Billy Epler, with all of his, his information, did not? What do you mean? You wanted J.D. Martinez? Yeah, Ralph, I did, yeah. He was my number one target, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, great, great. So you were right over there. Fine, very good. But so what do I bring to the radio here, here, Ralph? I bring an actually, like, you know, analysis. I don't bring any fandom to the radio. I've got a lot of good qualities, if you yeah, haven't noticed. You, I'm not saying you're bad, but you're looking – fine, J.D. Martinez is your guy. So yes. Billy Epler didn't sign J.D. Martinez. Yes, fine. that's a problem. You know, one nothing yours No, Ralph, Apple. Ralph, here's the problem. Right now, J.D. Martinez would have the second most home runs on this team, only behind Alonzo. And right now, J.D. Martinez would be tied for the second best batting average on that team with McNeil. That's a huge help but for a team that doesn't get any production out of a designated hitter. But you don't know what J.D. Martinez would have been doing on the Mets. You have no idea. You have no idea what would have happened on the Mets. Just because you're on a different team doing better, maybe you would have got hit by a pitch day one. You have no idea. It's so easy to play this game of what would have or should have. I could also be a radio host. I'll go in there. I'll look at all the stats. And say, he should have done this, should have done that. Fire him. I mean, come on. The guy's a hardworking man. He's doing his due diligence. And, and the, the players are not performing. Ralph? Come on, Danielle. Ralph, I guess you must be related to Billy Epler in some way, shape, or form. I, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't met a single person who wants to defend this guy like this. This team is a freaking dumpster fire, and you're defending him? Of course. I'm not defending him. Yes, you are. You're not, you're not coming with content. When oh, you Ralph. Oh, Ralph. Really, Ralph, I'm not coming with content. Are you freaking kidding me? I come with content every goddamn week there, Ralph. You're a joke there, Ralph. 
That's the joke there, Ralph, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, no one does more homework than me on this radio station. I dare you to go find someone. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you just don't bring any content. Ridiculous. I'm bringing nothing to the radio station there, Ralph. Come on. Yes, I was excited for Scherzer. Yes, I was there for Verlander. And I said it's not just Billy Epler. There's flames to go around all of them. Hey, when you're 1A and when you're 1B, don't perform or don't take the field every fifth day. That's a problem. Uh, but when your your owner says that you should be looking at past production and how that should help you fuel the future, that's wrong. Where is the, the variable for father time? That's what they should be trying to figure out. Ralph. Ralphie boy. Should have got J.D. Martinez. They should have. I said it when it was available, when he was available still. Every week I was updating my list. Every week. Oh, man. Every week. It's not revisionist history. No. <laughs> what do I bring to the radio? Really? What do I bring? I don't know. Intelligence, logic, problem-solving abilities. Yeah. You, you want to do it here, Ralph? <laughs> Go for it. Go start a podcast. Let me know when you want me as a guest. Jim in South Brunswick, you're up next here on the <laughs> The fact the way she goes to the next caller at the end, dude. Man, Jim in New Brunswick, you're up on the yeah. He's like, you know, I can just be one. I'll just study some numbers and some, some. You, you're fine. Dude, that you find that that's an epidemic, right? The most people you talk to, whether it's sports, radio, podcasting, Think they can do what you do? Yeah, basically. They think like, they okay. They think they can do what you, you do. You, you, you got know. it. Right. You want to know? You want to know? Okay. It's, just, but, it's easy to grow. It's easy to grow an audience. It's easy to talk Notre Dame football three hundred and sixty-five days a year, unless something yeah. else comes up. Like there, this isn't a Notre Dame. <laughs> Today isn't a Notre Dame news day. There's nothing coming out of Notre Dame today. <laughs> Doing shows is tedious on a daily basis, man. You know, so I have profound respect. Especially, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, those that work in smaller towns that don't have big news, that have to do sports shows, yo, I have profound respect for those that do the overnight shifts. Not just the sports radio, but regular radio that do the midnight to three in the morning, that do the three in the morning to six in the morning, and have to captivate the audience and build an audience, man. Like this, I don't miss sports radio left. This clip made me miss sports radio for a moment. I had to keep it a buck. Because as the producer, I'm on the other side dying. Oh, yeah. And I'm, you know why else I'm laughing? You know why else I'm laughing? Because I cleared the call. I took the call, and I was like, oh, I got to put him on. He's about to be epic. We got to put him on. Yep. I just have to make sure. I just have to make sure I got my finger next to the dump button. That's all. My finger has to be next to the dump button at all times. But I know that the shout out to the producer, because he knew that this caller was about to be epic. He knew it. He knew it. You're a joke, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. They're, they're dumpster fire. 
Yeah, but you you just don't got any good content. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh man, great stuff. Man, let me tell you something, bro. I had to play it. It was man, one of the most amazing clips I heard. And I actually put both of them on the petty train left. And the reason I put both of them on the petty train is because she lost it. She had them. She just had them. She had them. She, had them. she, she had got them. emotional. She got emotional she, towards she the end. Lost at the end. And yeah. she lost it. And that's when she lost her leverage. Yeah, and that's when I was yeah. like, yo. Because uh, it was epic. The phone was call great. was epic. It was great. Now her rant, her rant took it to the next level. Yeah. It took it, but they tell you as a professional, she'll man, she gets pulled in the office. Her GC is definitely telling her, you know, or her manager is definitely telling her. You had it, but you you had it in the way you handled it at the end. Because in sports radio, it's all about the listener. Yeah, it's all about the listener. It's all about the listener. She had them too. She was dropping facts. He said, yeah. you want to know. You yeah. want to know. Yeah. It's like no, no matter how crazy they get, it's all about the listener. So you see, once she went on her rant and she took it to the next level, she dropped him. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, she dropped him. Because she want, she didn't want him to respond. She dropped him, and then she took it to the next level. You know, so this ain't about you. Bro, yo, make his news and move. Man, on. bro. He just wanted to say, give him a break. Get some content. That's all constructive criticism. Hey, and I understand where, I actually understand where he's coming from. But there are no guarantees. You know, and what J.D. Martinez, yeah, he's like, dude. He's not playing with, he's not a, he's not a prophet. Oh, that's another thing. She thought he was trying to say Bam Adebayo and had no clue that he was talking, she, he was talking about Victor Wimbiana. The presumptive uh, number one pick. I could have been Nick picking, and you know, but she probably didn't hear correctly and thought he mispronounced. That was classic, was Ralph Boy. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day brought to you by Nora Whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com. Tim Anderson from Chicago White Sox. Step on up to the ticket booth, my man. I got a one-way ticket on the Petty train for you. He has been part of rumors of a love triangle on social media and websites for over a year now. During that time, he's gone from being one of the best hitters in baseball to a subpar hitter at the plate with no power. 
and he's regressed as a defensive shortstop at the same time. My heart goes out to him because when you're dealing with personal issues, it takes some tough son of a guns to still compete and play at the same level. You can't have anything on your mind. Left will tell you, man, you can't have outside stuff on your mind when you're going out there to quarterback. When you're going out to play the most important position in today's game at shortstop, you can't go out there with other things on your mind. Shout out to the pivot for being the comfortable space that he needed to come on and share his story. But my man, it didn't take all that. It's real simple. You were the face or one of the faces of Major League Baseball. The most hits, highest batting average over the last three seasons leading into the previous season. You were a superstar, a national superstar, not just a superstar in Chicago, a national superstar. And unlike unlike Bryce Young, who we explained earlier, you clearly showed that you weren't ready for that spotlight. So what do you do when you have a smart, intelligent wife named Bria Anderson and two beautiful young baby girls at home? You go out and you procreate and you have another child outside of your marriage in Chicago. Not only do you do that, but you allow the other girl to jump on social media and denigrate and talk down to your wife. You allowed that. And I understand that being the country boy, you're from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You just got caught up in these Chicago streets, bro. It's different up here. You might might be able to keep the country girls quiet. These Chicago girls ain't falling for that. Especially not if they're carrying your seed. No, you're going to be put on blast for real. And you have to learn the hard lesson. You have to learn it the hard way, man. Because you wanted everything to stay real low key. So you waited to jump on the pivot yesterday to announce the name of your son. His name is Seven Anderson. That's really beautiful. He came out in February, claimed him. What choice did you have? You didn't have to claim him. She was getting that check regardless. If you didn't claim him, oh, she was going to get that check. The White Sox covered up for you while the messiness continued. You undermined the leadership in the locker room talking about how much of a leader you are, how much your wife, Brian Anderson, was one of the main wives working with White Sox charities. I can't imagine how embarrassing it was for her around the ballpark. All of this going on, and you chose to stay silent because you didn't want to talk about it. What do you mean you didn't want to talk about it? The entire city of Chicago was talking about it. The girl is best friends with G Herbo's baby mama. The streets were talking. What are we talking about? 
This is the worst mishandle of stardom I've ever seen. And now you're just a dude. Now White Sox fans have turned their back on you. And you've given the White Sox five great seasons. And you have the nerve when asked by the pivot. Your contract is up at the end of the season. Do you want to be in Chicago? You have the nerve to say, I understand the business. If they want me, I'll be here. After everything the White Sox did to try and keep all of this mess under wraps and how they still supported you, you got the audacity to give an answer besides, yeah, I want to be here. Are you kidding me? Maybe going to another city and getting out of Chicago is the best thing for you, though. Because it's clear that you can't handle Chicago. Just a year ago, you said your favorite meal pregame is shark's fish. I knew right then there was something wrong with you. Shark's fish is the most disgusting chicken on the south side of Chicago. When you got Uncle Remus and Harold's and plenty of other spots. Heck, Popeye's. That let me know. That was the first key. Because I said to myself, left, when he said that, he said, oh, man, before a meal, before the game, I like to go and stop and get some sharks. I'm like, ain't no sharks on the north side, dog. All the sharks are low-end, bad neighborhoods. What you doing? You pulling up in a bad neighborhood for some sharks? Who put you on sharks? And it all came out in the wash. Because I know Brian Anderson didn't put him up on sharks. I know nobody else in that locker room put him up on sharks. But I know now who put him up on sharks. The mother of his son. Yeah. She made sure he had a six-wing mild sauce before every game. That was your little stop-off before the game, huh? Stop there on your way to the ballpark. This is crazy. A little run to bases. Six wings. Go play. Go home to the family. I get you, bro. But this little cavalier attitude you got, you put your family in this situation. You put your wife in this embarrassing situation. You laid down with a social media nut that didn't know how to keep the business private. You did that. And you want to sit here and act like you didn't want to talk about it when the whole world and the entire city was talking about it. Man, please. Take this seat on the petty train, bro. And as a fan, I don't care if you come back either. How about that? I'm indifferent right now. If you come back, cool. If you don't, man, I hope you do well at your next spot. Out on Tim, huh? Come on, man. It's a great interview, though. It's a great interview. They do a good job of digging into his past, his relationship with his father, how he got into... Baseball, being a kid from the South, they went into a lot of more, a lot of, of things besides that. But once they got to that at the end, and then 
It's like they're like, man, we're not trying to, you know, embarrass or bring embarrassment. The embarrassment is out the bag. How can you stop? She's embarrassed. His daughters, as they get older, they will read. When they finally meet their brother, it's not going to make sense. And they're going to say, wait a minute. We got a brother? How? Mommy, you had you had a shorty and didn't tell us? The embarrassment is out the bag. It's there. They tried to help him save face. Well, man, come on, man. And I hope and pray. Because that's a lot to carry, left. Him not saying anything, that was a lot to carry. This whole time. And I hope him finally saying something and letting it out. I hope he can finally get back to just playing baseball. Because based upon what he said, he did the necessary work to fix everything at home. That's what he said. That's what he said. Uh, we'll see how what happens when this new contract happens, though. Because I know if I was the attorney of Bria, I would say, no, wait, don't bounce now. Let this new contract come through. Let him get this $200 million. Then... Then we can go make a little change. Sheesh. you left the top. Hey, man, Tommy Tuberville, you on the petty train for that legislation too, that NIL legislation. It's embarrassing, man. Be better. Left, great show. See you guys tomorrow. Man, you see how good I'm feeling, Left? That's right. Man, right. feel great. And guys, be Notre Dame fans. The Phil Jacobic thing is not that serious. I promise you, man. <laughs> Just let it go. For left, I'm Sean Davis. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Man, have a great day. But most of all, make sure you spin it different. <laughs>